0: Honors have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com.
1: guys, welcome back to the show, the MVM show. I am here today with a special guest. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. Today, we're here today with Chase from uh, somewhere in Wisconsin. Um, I've actually talked to Chase a few times, and we've we got to become friends over the time, even from the long distance, but it's good to have you here on the show today, Chase. How are you doing?
2: It's good to be here. Good to be here. I love how you uh, say Wisconsin. <laughs>
1: That you, you know what my but my other buddy from Wisconsin makes fun of me too. How do I say it? Wisconsin.
2: You say like uh you got like a west in there, like West Wisconsin instead of Wisconsin.
1: Wisconsin, Wisconsin. Yeah. Is that better? Wisconsin. It's all good. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. No. yeah i giving you some grief. Yeah, my buddy always said that. You guys say I'm like, what do we? How do we? I don't hear any difference between the way you say it and the way we say it, but it must be something. Everybody from I'm gonna say from there. Says it because, (laughs) so tell us a little bit about yourself, Chase.
2: Yeah, my name's Chase and uh, I live obviously in Wisconsin. Uh, I used to be uh, kind of a hardcore bow hunter. I did a lot of bow hunting. All my spare time I spent in a tree stand, you know, from opening day all the way through into late season if I didn't uh, shoot my deer yet, but uh, probably about seven years ago or so now. Uh, My dad had wanted me to get out and and do some, some waterfowling and he got me out for some wood duck hunts and, and I liked it, but I was always thinking about, um, deer when I was duck hunting. Mm -hmm. And then one year we got on some mallards kind of early in the year and we, we shot a few of them. And I think from that moment on in my mind, it just switched from, from deer hunting to duck hunting, and every time I was I was deer hunting, I was looking for ducks in the sky, and I was just <laughs> always thinking about duck hunting. So, I, I've been hard into waterfowling probably like the last five or six years. Uh, the first three were like, yeah, this is okay, it's fun, but I don't know. Those mallards just got me hooked, and and uh, I'm chasing them ever since. So
1: that's awesome. What do you yeah. think the moment was? Do you do you just kind of, did you kind of fall into it and didn't even realize the passion that overtook for waterfowl? I mean, like what, um, what was that? You know, You know,
2: I actually remember the moment because my dad finally talked me into going out to the river. It was like probably the first week in November, which in Wisconsin, that's like prime rut, prime tree stand. Mm-hmm. And my mind, in my mind, I was like, I'll take my bow with me. I'll go hunt the public land out there on the river uh, in the evenings and I'll I'll duck hunt during the day. Well, we got out there and that first morning, I mean, there were mallards everywhere. They just must have had a good push of birds come in like overnight or, or the night before and no one had hunted them. And I think between my dad and I, we shot our limit of mallards. Um, and it's actually one of the first videos, duck hunting videos I ever put on my YouTube channel. Mm. And, um, there's really no, there's not a lot of duck hunting in it. It's like an old crummy camera that I was using. And, uh, but we just had, had mallards working us that morning and it was like, okay, this is what it's all about. This is what my grandpa always used to talk about hmm. how, uh, you know, cause my grandpa was a big waterfowler too. In the area that we hunt in Wisconsin, um, he kind of grew up on that area and hunted that same area. So he loves to watch those videos too. That's actually why I started recording those. Hmm. Um, but, but really just hunting those mallards that really got me hooked. And it was that first weekend. It was the first time I ever saw a mallard work, you know, it'd swing out. And, uh, I wasn't a very good caller at the time. My dad didn't call too much either, but they would still work us and, and they just drop right in and seeing big groups of mallards coming to the decoys is pretty cool.
1: Yeah. You, uh, there's not, not, nothing quite like it. And I've done a lot of big game hunting myself. I actually was born and raised on elk hunting and mule deer hunting. So to go from that, you know, my dad, I always give my dad a hard time because he's like, he just don't comprehend it. He's like, I don't know why you want to be out there in the muck and the mire <laughs> is what he calls it when he's all, you can be out there in the rut with the elk and the bugling and the bow. And it's like, yeah, that is a rush for sure. And it's fun. And it, and I'm out, I'm an outdoor guy. So, you know, that's all fun. But some there's just, to me personally, there's nothing quite like waterfowling. Just that's me. Yeah.
2: It's it's different. I like that I get to go out, spend time with my dad. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if I go deer hunting, it's just me in a tree stand by myself. Right. Um, you might see some deer, you might not. Um, it's just it's a lot more fun to to get out there with a buddy or or your dad. I I mostly hunt with my dad, mm-hmm. and uh, I just I enjoy every minute of it.
1: Yeah, you can tell I. You're Your dad, I mean, it would be fun to hunt with you, but your dad just looks like a crack of, like, he, I just think, like, he. I love him so much when I watch your videos because he just gets so pumped, and you guys, you know, me and Thomas are how we are. We argue and fight, and you guys just crack me up, but it looks like you guys have a good time.
2: Um, yeah, we do. You know, um, I cut a lot of the fighting out of there. I don't uh, know why I do it because it's pretty funny. Right. you need to include more of it. You but, should because maybe. Uh, we bicker like crazy, you know, just about the, the dumbest things. Oh. Uh
1: that's so funny. That's just like me and Thomas too. But if for some reason, when it's someone else, it's a lot more entertaining. <laughs> yeah, but um, yep, yeah. So guys, that's, that's if you're listening to this, check out Chase's channel uh, somewhere in Wisconsin and go subscribe to it. Check it out. You guys will enjoy it. It's waterfowl content. Like he said, he does a lot of archery stuff. Um, Chase, what else? Uh, your social media, tell us where we can also find you too.
2: Yep. So I'm on YouTube. Um, I have a small Instagram page. If you ever need to get in contact with me, that's that's where it seems like most people get in touch with me on Instagram. I do post a little bit on there. I post some stories and stuff. I do a little more barbecuing and stuff on there. Um, I also have a Facebook page that I don't use a lot, but whenever I post a story on Instagram, it posts on that Facebook page as well, and that's also called Somewhere in Wisconsin. And then uh, last year, earlier in the year with a buddy, I started up a... Uh, a waterfalling page on facebook it's called midwest waterfall flyway oh yeah um it's a private group uh we try to keep it clean in there and and just share hunting stories um you know bird reports uh cool gadgets things like that so um that's where you can find me on the socials
1: sweet all right so man we already went about six minutes deep into this podcast um but we're going to talk about, and this is not a negative, because I kind of debated this. I was like, okay, is this a negative? You know, would people think of this as being a negative? It's not a negative. It's a reality. And we're going to talk about what can go wrong, basically. And and I guess we'll refer pretty much straight to duck hunting, right, Chase? And just kind of go over things that that, that go wrong when we're hunting.
2: Yeah, yeah. Straight to duck hunting. I'm mean, going to have a couple bull hunting stories, too, but we can stick to duck hunting today.
1: Okay. So let's first, um, we actually did a podcast on this and I don't know if it'll probably be after this, but we talked about some gun issues and stuff, but what's some things that you have seen go wrong in the field as far as guns having gun issues?
2: Yeah. You know, actually that was one of my main topics i talked about. My dad shoots, uh, an 1187. I think it's a 1187. It's a Remington.
1: Mm-hmm. Good gun.
2: And the thing, the thing shoots like it, it, he rarely has issues with it, but it seems like when he has issues with, with that gun, it's it always has to be apart and in pieces next to the blind, in the mud, mm-hmm. and then you have birds working all over and around you. Uh, it just always happens at the worst time, but I only remember that happening like, like two times to him, and one time it didn't eject a shell and it got kind of like jammed in there and stuck, so he had to take everything apart. But my issue with with gun issues is, I, in that cold weather in Wisconsin, is just shells not ejecting out of my... Mm. I shoot a, an A300, and I mm-hmm. think your brother actually shot that yeah, too for a while. The
1: Outlander. And
2: I, I have the hardest time getting that second and third shell to eject. I've tried running the gun dry, I've tried running it wet, but it's like as soon as it hits in the 20s, it it just locks up it'll shoot the first shell it'll eject it and uh the next shell won't load in fully so it'll Mm -hmm. go click then i gotta eject that shell and the next shell will load in by that time it's too late
1: man that's frustrating so
2: my my like pet peeve is just my gun not uh, working the way that it's supposed to so this off season i actually bought a new spring for it and i cleaned up the back side of it um so hopefully that helps but if it does not eject a shell one more time, I am fixing that problem. and I'm going to buy a new gun.
1: Are you? What do you, What's I your? I will do it that day. <laughs> are you really? <laughs> yeah. I'm that tired of it. Yeah. So I mean, what 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 would be your next gun that you bought if you if you do have to buy one? Hopefully that doesn't happen. By the way, but yeah, I've been
2: debating. Um, Frankie, affinity uh-huh. elite probably.
0: Those uh-huh.
2: well, are uh, nice. So that's. I mean, that's kind of what I'm saying. I don't. I don't have a huge pocketbook so i can't spend you know 1800 dollars on a gun but i could probably spend 12 13
1: yeah cuz i mean if you, if, you, if you get those in black they're not that bad it's when you just get the camos where i mean every every brand too it just goes way up yeah but i'd they be are, okay
2: shooting an all black gun that doesn't bother me really
1: yeah i mean that's what i all i shot that's that's so cosmetic you know what i mean obviously mm-hmm. it's just about oh that looks cool that looks nice but in all reality i could care less you know what i mean like
2: as long as it doesn't shine really that's exactly. my biggest thing exactly
1: yep yeah. so you can save a ton of money. if anybody's listening and you haven't bought a gun and you're wanting to buy a shotgun i'm just giving you that tip right now you're going to spend a lot less buying a black synthetic gun than you are going to get that camo but if you have extra a couple 2 300 dollars you can definitely do that um my thing yeah and here's the thing
2: with that Beretta that i have too i mean i love it it shoots perfect all summer i shoot a decent amount in the summers you know once or twice a month yeah It never has a failure ever all year long until it hits like low thirties, upper twenties. And then it like, it's just a pain in my butt Mm -hmm. ready to throw it overboard.
1: Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. You want to just, yeah. yeah, Dump it.
2: (laughs) Yeah. and Yeah. I have a a hunt from this last year is actually, we were hunting divers out on green Bay and it was like every group that came in, I was getting one shot off, two shots off. I remember that. Um, yeah, it was It was just... That was like the last straw. I think I bought the springs that day and then I learned how to clean out the whole back end of that that recoil spring in the back by the stock.
1: When you say clean it out, did you are you talking about you shaved it down or are you just saying cleaned it? No,
2: so um, on the Berettas, you can take off the stock and inside of there, there's a spring. And mm. there's like one video on YouTube to show you how to do this. Mm. Um, there's a spring you can take out and a tube in there. So you take that spring in the tube out mm-hmm. and you just clean it. You put a very light oil in there. Um, and then I replaced my spring. I put a new spring in there. I can't remember where I ordered the spring from, but yeah, I just popped a new spring in there. I used it during late goose season, which is cold out, but the gun's not getting wet ever. There's like zero moisture, mm-hmm. at least for the most times that I was hunting this, this late goose season. And it went off every time. Um, so hopefully I fixed it. But we'll see. We, I mean, I'll know as soon as we get into late October.
1: Hmm. Do you, when you Now, when you took the spring out, did you compare the new one with the old one? Did it look like it was a little bit... Uh, it didn't
2: feel or look that much different, to be honest. Hmm. Uh, the newer spring seemed a little bit stiffer, but not not much. It was supposed to be a little stiffer spring anyway, I believe. Just from the little tiny bit I read about it.
1: Well, have um, you had sorry. those issues since you first bought it? Or did you buy it used? Um, So no, I bought it new.
2: So like my first two seasons, I didn't do a lot of late season hunting or even mid-season hunting. I Mm -hmm. just did some opening day stuff because I was bow hunting a lot. And then the third year, no issues with it. I did more late season hunting. I think it was around the fourth year it started where it was like, why isn't this thing going off? And then it was like, oh, I just need to put some more oil in there. And then it would go bang the rest of the day. Then the next time it just progressively has gotten worse. Okay. So, I think it could be the spring, and just that sounds it sounds like, like that's what that there. would
1: be. Yeah. If
2: yeah. it's progressively so getting I worse, yeah. I, and I, I will, if it, if I fix it and, and it helps, there will be a video out saying that, dude, this works.
1: Yeah. That, I mean, if it's progressively getting worse, that's, that sounds like it's got to be that. I hopefully, yeah. for your sake, it is too, for sure. Yeah. Cause you're happy with the gun, right? Mm-hmm. It's just, if it, if it, keeps yeah. getting only one shot out, that just ain't going to work no matter how you look at it.
2: Yeah. I'm happy with the gun. I'm happy with Brett. I had another. Issue with uh, the fore end on it. it just split. It's a wood. It was a wood gun, or it is a wood gun. And uh, bretta fixed it even after the warranty was up. So, you know, kudos on them for doing that. They yeah. didn't have to do that, but they did.
0: That's
1: cool. Well, let's go. Cool. Yeah. Well, I don't have a lot of experience with this, but let's go into things that go wrong with uh, boats. Boats, she's. What could you? Some tips and advice you can give there. Things that you've seen go wrong that you could maybe fix.
2: Yeah, I think our biggest thing. Our biggest thing is just making sure that, uh, you're running it even when it's cold outside. So like in between hunts, you know, start the engine up, let it run for a second, make sure it's good to go. Cause I mean, the ultimate, I guess, catastrophe is you get out in the middle of nowhere, maybe you don't have service and then your boat doesn't start. So between me and my dad, we got a couple paddles (laughs) and we've got uh, a trolling motor on the boat too. That's kind of a backup. And we, we never leave the lawns without, you know, paddles and the trolling motor, making sure that works. But uh, we, we use a lot of, like, we've been using a lot of older, just reliable motors that start and continue to start. We don't really have many electrical things that can go wrong with them mm-hmm. or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So we got to pull them and, uh, and hope they start. But usually we've had good luck with our motors and things like that. Um, the, another big thing that I actually, I wrote down here before we got started today was, You know, make sure that you have on those cold hunts, especially in Wisconsin, uh, a dry bag with some extra clothes, a sweatshirt, some uh, thermals, maybe an extra hat, gloves, socks, things like that, just in case you happen to take a dip in the water so you have some uh, spare clothes to throw on in case of
1: emergency. That's a good idea, especially where you guys are at. When it gets that brutal cold, you could get serious hypothermia that be yeah and there's sad. a lot of
2: times too where you know we put our boat in and you got to drop it in through the ice Not and i drop it in but you got to back in break the ice to get it in the water so
0: mm-hmm.
2: you're out there and it's 20 degrees all day that ice is getting thicker and thicker and uh you got to make sure you're ready for it and that you know if you do happen to take a dip you're ready and have some warm clothes or can make a fire or something
1: mm-hmm. yeah. that's a really good point i appreciate that because i mean um that's something I would like to know because I mean, eventually, we, me and Thomas, have been talking about getting a boat and having a boat f- since last year, and that's really something I don't know why I haven't done. But to hear things from you, that guys that have experience with it, it's good to know and it, good to like be mentally prepared when it when it does happen. But um, uh, what's the what's your boat setup? I mean, are you how yeah, long? So how we, long uh, is your boat? So I could
2: kind. of Do you Can want you me to go, go, go through go? like the history of our boats?
1: Yeah. Or just do
2: you want like what we're running right
1: now? Well, what do you want? What are you running right now? Right now
2: we uh, we got a sixteen foot mod V, and it's just a John boat. It's like I think it's like a sixteen forty eight or a sixteen fifty two. I'm not even sure. And uh, it's aluminum, but it does the job. It's a little bigger than what we've had. It's a little taller on the sides so that we can get out on the Mississippi River if we need to. And uh, on the back of it, we just got a thirty horse outboard, and It runs, you know, we actually bought that boat, uh, before last season. I did a few videos on like putting the lights in, putting the nav lights in, Mm. putting a floor in there. So it was like a boat build series that I did last summer. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it turned out really good. My dad camoed it up. I put some, I think it's called hydro turf in there, just on the deck and stuff. And on the seats turned out really good. And it's, it's not like, I think we bought the boat. I mean, I don't even know what we bought. it. It's super affordable. Like we don't have a ton of money, 10 on extra money. laying in. Right. And I think we spent like, we looked for boats for quite a long time. And, and after three months we found something in our budget and, and we, we pulled the trigger on it, bought it and made it into ours. So, and, and we awesome. love it. You know, we, we couldn't be happier with the boat does right. what it has to do. And we get where we're going to go
1: right now. For how, the most part. how much do you think that boat weighs?
2: It's light. It's an aluminum boat. I, I couldn't tell you. I, huh. You just look up like a, I think it's a low.
1: I mean, if you had to, 40. if you had to like manhandle it over something, I mean, could you actually oh. do that? Um, between my dad and I,
2: I think we could. Yeah. Yeah. That one we could. Our 14 footer, we for sure could cause we had to do it once uh-huh. or twice. Uh-huh. Um, this one, yeah, I mean the motor on the back is probably 150 pounds and the boat itself isn't terribly, terribly heavy. It's just an aluminum boat. Right depends how much water's in it from the dog yeah. usually
1: but <laughs> <laughs> yeah
2: yeah okay yeah you could we don't we don't really do too much of that though where yeah. we have to drag it over stuff
1: you're right do you have areas where that would that could be an issue for you that you just avoid because you don't have the right setup
2: yeah you know if we had a if we had a, a better rig we could get to a lot of hunt a lot of different places
1: huh, like a mud you know, motor like if you're
2: we running a mud motor or uh-huh. like a, a long tail or something yeah we could we could get to a lot of spots and hunt a lot of spots we don't hunt even like locally where we are. There's just a lot of marshes that you'd hate to get stuck in, in the mud or the muck right. or whatever. So we just don't even really try. Hmm. Oh, that's cool. We, we hunt the river quite a bit in the fall. Like I'll leave my house at one in the morning, get to the river by four thirty, five o'clock in the morning, throw the boat in, hunt all day, camp the night, hunt the next day and then come home.
1: Hmm. That's cool. Because uh, you be, you're a school teacher, right? Yeah. So well, so I don't get a
2: ton of vacation times. I get, I get uh, two personal days a year. And then whatever holidays that the kids are off for, I'm off for those as well.
1: Hmm. That's why you're hunting more in December, Christmas break and all that stuff.
2: Yeah, I do a lot of like uh, goose hunting in December. I need to plan a trip somewhere, you know, like right before Yeah. The holidays or right after the holidays, fit Mm -hmm. it in. That'd be kind of cool.
1: What, you mean out of state or what?
2: Yeah, out of state because our duck season closes December 4th or around like the first week in December.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. um, And
2: our late goose season opens up for the holidays here in Wisconsin. So we hunt pretty hard the geese the last two years. We just kind of got into them the last two years. But last season, we really hunted the geese hard late season.
1: So, I mean, going out of state, are you talking, like, kind of nearby states, or are you talking about, like, California?
2: Well, all that that actually would be kind of fun, wouldn't it? it come out here, um, Illinois, which is, I live right on the Illinois border. I actually work in Illinois, and I live in Wisconsin, and Illinois has, uh, their duck season's open, like, two weeks, I think, after ours. Oh, okay. So, that's a possibility. Mm-hmm. And if you go a little farther south into Illinois... Um, they're open even later in the season, but there's a lot of states around here that are open that are within 12 hours. You got Nebraska, South Dakota, yeah.
1: all good. Honey, um, they're bro. open,
2: and those are just meccas. You know, right? There's so many ducks there.
1: Yeah, you're definitely close access. It's probably a good thing I don't live close to those places. I, my wife never sees me the whole duck season. <laughs> uh, we already got. She's like, "You are not doing more than two trips this year." And I said, "Hey, hey, easy, take it easy." <laughs> <laughs> but no I gotta definitely do you have, be my dad. do you
2: have several plans
1: no I don't because that like you know having this new job I'm making a lot less I'm like making a third of what I made so I don't have th- the funny thing is with it is I have more time off and I make it uh, I make okay but I can't just go spend because I'm off you know what I'm saying so it's yeah. kind of a catch twenty two like now that I have less money and more time off but I can't go be spending on my week off because I do i do do the air ambulance right now? So week on, week off. So it's an incredible schedule for duck season. I'm like stoked, you know, because I'm. Yeah. I could literally hunt for three solid weeks a month for the if you whole. If take duck off season. one week or what? No. So what oh, it you're is, just saying
2: the way the schedule. Is. The
1: way the schedule is, I'm off for a week, so I can hunt that whole week every day if I wanted. Then, like when I'm on nights, I'm on seven days of nights. So I'm I start at seven at night and get off at seven in the morning. So I could go hunt after that because I. You know, air ambulance is like a firefighter. You don't go out unless you get called. So you could sleep at night. It's not like you're up all night. I mean, if if I got called, I'd be hammered. And there's no way I'd be able to, but um, it just depends. Wintertime, though, calls slow down because of weather and stuff. We can only fly, you know. But, anyways, I was just saying, like, the way that works out, it's three weeks a month and, you know, I could go like crazy. So I I definitely got a couple trips. We got a Flyways Collective uh, trip planned and then. I kind of we're not. I guess we haven't put that out exactly what we're doing yet, but that's on the works. And then we got another one, other trip planned with just the guys that I hunt with all the time, Travis and Thomas. But cool, other not. So hopefully, you're I really that
2: series you guys did up north of you. I can't remember was it in Washington?
1: Yeah, that was fun, man. Yeah. That was so that shit. looked cool. It was. It was just I never really did where you just go with the guys you've hunted with your whole life in an out of state, and you just hunt every day it was just like honestly it was the best thing i've ever done in my life like it was the funnest thing i feel like i have ever done we were all relaxed you know we were off work um and all we were there to do is to duck hunt and it was just like yeah it was the best time of my life honest to god besides you know your for your kids and and getting married all that stuff i mean that was one of the big time highlights of my life for sure it was very fun I feel like as a, as
2: a hunter too, it kind of gets you out of those ruts, you know, like you go to those spots. It's like, they're always good. I think there's going to be ducks there. You're kind of guessing cause you're a weekend. Like we have to guess a lot, my right. dad and I, so we just kind of go to where we're confident, but doing something like that would get you out of your comfort zone, make you go find the ducks. And instead of just, just going and sitting somewhere, where you know, they might be.
1: Yeah, it was yeah. like that first day, Travis was talking about going home. He's like, there's no ducks. And that was a pressure, like you said, we've never really dealt with it. We go you go to your go to spots, you know? And that could yeah. be that could be almost part of this topic, because, you know, uh things that go wrong, you going out of state, you spend all the money, you drove, you know, 14, 15, 20 hours. Now what? There's no ducks.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It'd be nice to have like a security blanket, you know, like yeah. someone who you you know there, which is I think a lot of times that's kind of how you how you approach it anyway. Right. You'd rather go somewhere where somebody might have some insight, but
1: yeah that's definitely it was but boy it was worth it was worth it now we know so much more about the area so we know where we can move and maybe find some other spots if maybe they're not where they were at last year or whatever you know but
2: yeah that's cool
1: anyways now so spots already occupied that's something every single duck hunter deals with what about yourself i mean yeah you know so this
2: goes with probably one of my craziest duck hunting stories of all time um it was opening day like two years ago or maybe three years ago. Actually, it was probably, it was the, it was the first official YouTube video I made and it was on opening day in Wisconsin and my dad and I like to go and find these little holes back in the, like in the islands in the woods and stuff on the Mississippi river in the backwaters. And we don't usually expect to see people, especially, because we get out and we actually walk, like we'll part we'll we'll take our boat back in there and then we'll we'll walk to these spots. So my dad and I we get down to the launch at like 30 in the morning. we sleep in the car until we see the first set of headlights. as soon as the headlights come, the boat's already in the water, we just jump in the boat and we go, and we get to our hole we scouted the weekend before. There's pretty many wood ducks in it, at least enough for my dad and I. We can only shoot three each and we're to our spot by probably 2.15 in the morning, mm-hmm. three, may, maybe 2.30.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And we're sitting there. We take a nap, waking up about, I don't know what time the season opens. I can't remember exactly, but it's probably an hour before sunrise. All of a sudden, we see these flashlights coming, like, from where the actual main river is, where the mm-hmm. main river channel is. And these guys are walking with these flashlights, and we're shining our lights at them, so they see us, and they see us the whole way. They, they're walking in. They keep coming. My dad's like, what the hell is going on with these guys? They literally come and sit 40 yards next to us. No lie. Oh, 40, 40 yards. yards. I wow. am not lying. I'm not exaggerating. In the video, you can see ducks fly by us. Or actually, they're off screen, and they're flying like from the right to the left on the camera. And these guys shoot, and the ducks fall right in front of us.
1: Oh, my goodness.
2: It was unbelievable. And their reason was... So apparently they had a blind there. We didn't see the blind cause we went in at two 30 in the morning. We also built like a small blind, but we didn't make it obvious enough apparently because they didn't see it when they were in there the night before. Apparently they were camping on this Island probably three quarters of a mile from where my dad and I were sitting. Hmm. Um, so they didn't hear us come in. They just saw our lights and, and they were like, well, we built these blinds just for the time we're going to sit here. And by the time they came in it was already a half an hour by the time they got to the blind. They just were going to come in and hunt that morning. By the time they got to the blind, we couldn't even like make a move at that point. We're like, okay, I guess it's just like, we're hunting with buddies. We're all on the same hole. So we kind of stuck it out. And it was, it was weird. I mean, I think my dad and I shot three ducks that morning and they shot their six and then they were out of there and they didn't come back. We didn't see them in there anymore the rest of the year. Huh. It's kind of weird.
1: That is weird. but. And but you, yeah, and I you mean that's that a situation
2: more? where we were in our spot, we were there first, we're on public land, the etiquette is you go to your plan B. Like, right. Well, right. That should be what happens. That's what my dad and I do and that's just was, etiquette. It was kind of
1: wild. Yeah. Yeah. That's like you said that's just plain decency and courtesy and etiquette. I mean, if people don't know that then you just there's not much you can do <laughs> at that point. Yeah, and I, Ian, I don't
2: know that these people I think they go out there on the island. They probably drink too much,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and they just get up in the morning. You know, it's like a, it's more of like a party for them. Yeah, they just show up and then go hunt in the morning.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: They camp out there for a couple of days beforehand, and then they hunt one day, and then they're gone. They're not even there like on Sunday morning the next day. Mm-hmm. They're not even in there anymore.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So they just show up. They shoot their six. There's there are three birds, and then they they bounce. Yeah. So yeah. So we try to avoid those people on opening day. Now we just go try to find another hole somewhere else.
0: Right.
1: All right. Let's move on to the next topic. Uh New dogs. That is a, I can speak a whole, I should actually do a podcast on that. You probably, that might be something we have to do together, but let, let's hear your take on it. Chase, Uh new dogs learning and issues with that. Yeah.
2: I think my dad hunted his dog. The first year you hunted. Um, Rocky, you huh? Hunt well, Rocky, Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I think I remember like, seeing that.
2: I'm not 100% sure on that.
1: And the hardest thing
2: for me as someone who I was not the owner of the dog. Yep. Uh, it was my dad's dog,
1: so... You don't have like, the patience I, he does. Say that again? You don't have the patience and compassion like he does because it's not yours.
2: A little, uh, kind of, but it's also, I guess my expectations were higher too, uh, you know, in a way. Yeah. So like I, I, the dog is a, is a really good dog. He's supernatural, but it was almost like he could be better. Like, you know, watching your Rocky videos, like he could be better Mm -hmm. and you know, you give my dad ideas and things to work on, but he knew what my dad knew what he wanted in his dog, Mm -hmm. which is, it's his dog. That's his right. You know? So, and I had to just become okay with that. Like he wanted him to go get the birds. He didn't need to have him point in a direction and do all this fancy stuff.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, cause it was his dog and he just, he knew what he wanted in his dog and, and his dog is exactly what he wanted. So I had to get used to that. I also had to get used to like, also not trying to like act like he's my dog too. Like that was the uh, hardest part for
1: me. Yeah.
2: You know what I mean? Cause I was around him a lot. We hunt together every weekend. So, you know, it's like sometimes you just get caught, like giving the dog directions. Like, why am I doing that? It's not my dog. My dog's at yeah. home on the couch because she's a couch dog.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I never thought about that. It was really hard for Thomas um, that first year. And see, I I warned him though. I said, "Hey, you know what? Are you okay with this? Are you okay hunting with Rocky because it is a new dog, and the first month or two is going to be kind of tough because it's going to probably happen where flaring birds. Because I'm not there. I'm not going to try to train him in the duck pond." Necessarily, Like I'm not going to teach him something right. new out there because I want to kill birds just as much. But yeah. like that first hunt, I didn't even have my shot. I didn't even shoot or nothing. I was just focused on working with Rocky, and that's hard for me to do too, but I knew it would pay off to have a good dog. But the, the there was just times when I'm out there with him, trying to get him to listen and, and do something or pick the bird up. Maybe he's like, what's going on? The bird's kicking or, or you know. He right. had a really bad experience that first hunt with the coot. That was just something like I'll never do again with the new dog. it's 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 a funny story, actually. It's hilarious, but it has come back to bite me more than once, um still to this day. It gets less and less, but we shot that coot, and if anybody knows anything about coots, they're very aggressive and they're like chickens. They're not even like a duck. they got a they got a beak, not a bill, like a duck. And they will bite the snot out of you. Like (laughs) I told Thomas there was no ducks, and I said, shoot him, shoot him. So he shot that coot. We thought it was dead, and I sent Rocky out after. uh, Actually, Rocky saw it fall, so that was good. Or I think if he didn't see it, he saw the rustling in the water. So he's out going there to grab it. No fear, he's used to picking up frozen ducks, basically. You know, I let them thaw out so they can kind of get a little bit warmer, but you know, it's not the same. And he right. goes to pick it up, and that thing clamped on his nose, and he let out a yelp and jumped back. And he would not pick it up. He came back to me. I was so mad. I was like, "Get back there, fetch it up, fetch it up, you know." Because he was already force fetched. And um, and then ever since then, even now, he if it's kicking a little too much, he'll he just don't have the aggression that I would like to see to see. He'll yeah. still pick him up, but he wants to pick him up the right way to where that foot doesn't go down his throat or they don't kick. And it's like, uh, it drives me nuts, but it's my own fault because he had that experience. And it, every time he goes to pick up something that's flinching or moving, he kind of makes sure, you know, the way he picks it up. And it's like, oh, well, ain't nothing I can yeah. do about it now. There really is not, you know? So yeah, those, th- those are little tidbits you and i the experiences that we've had out in the duck pond we can get people that you wouldn't know unless you had it happened to you
2: right you know it's kind of amazing how how quick they learn though once they're out there oh yeah Um, it's just it's kind of wild to see the first time out he doesn't really know what he's looking for he Mm -hmm. doesn't know what he's doing he's just like playing in the blind and wandering around and getting us all muddy and knocking over our guns, you know, mm-hmm. and he'll sit and he'll follow directions. And then you, you shoot a bird and it's like, he heard the bang. He knows what that means.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And you send him on the bird and they come back. And then all of a sudden it, it's like, Oh, okay, it clicks now. And now he's like looking in the sky for these birds. It's just, wow. Yeah. That's kind of the, the cool, one of the cooler things about not owning the dog is I could just watch him.
1: Oh, the, the progression. That used to
2: not trying to like be the dog owner. Yeah. Just watch him. It's like, wow. This thing is amazing. It's amazing yeah. how fast they learn, and that passion for them to just to go get a bird.
1: It's in them, man. <laughs> it is cool. I, I watched the progression of your dad's dog, and I was like, man just just seeing, like you said, and capturing it on film is just a cool thing, too. You know? Yeah. But so how? So is your dad's dog going to be three or four? Or how old is? This will be his third season. Okay, so it's Rocky's and third too.
2: He, but he. We got him in like October. But he didn't hunt the first year, obviously. So he's probably four. I okay. think he'll be four like in October. Okay. If if I remember right.
1: Rocky will be three in November. Wait, no, this will be my dad's third
2: season. This will be his third season.
1: So he's probably the same age. He's probably the exact yeah, same. He's, I think he's as Rocky. the same age as Rocky. Yeah. I forgot his name again. The dog's name again. Uh, his name's Taylor. Taylor, that's right. Yeah.
2: Well, yeah. His his name is Taylor Made. Like he's so my dad and I. Are, I was a base. I played college ball, baseball, golf too. And maybe? what's
1: that? Golf. that's Taylor. I always think of golf when you say Taylor Made.
2: Yeah. So Taylor Made. So like you know Taylor Made, like a double play, a Taylor Made double play. Yeah. I don't know if you ever heard that phrase yeah, or uh, saying, but yeah. So he named him kind of after that, but he named it a Taylor. He spelled it T A I L E R, like he's tailing a bird. Mm. And made like he's his maid. He goes and gets his birds, and does all the dirty work.
1: <laughs> so that's
2: that's why he named him Taylor Made.
1: That's funny. I didn't know that. I didn't know but he people. just goes
2: by Taylor, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. There, I was I liked I liked watching any dog work. And it is fun when you when your dad says Taylor. And he just poosh. He just dives yeah. and goes. It's cool.
2: Yep, he does. I'm excited he's, to uh,
1: see what they do this year.
2: He's a good dog, and he had a really good year last year. Like you know, and it got to the point where there were hunts too where. I would have shot my birds and my dad wanted the dog to work, but then we would just kind of switch roles and yeah. he would let me work the dog a little bit and then he would, you know, do the,
1: do the shooting. So oh, that's cool. Right on. Yeah. Um, all right. Just a couple more things and we'll, we'll wrap this up and let you get to your evening. But, um, ice, ice on cold days, you're going to have a lot more experience on that. Tell us a little bit about that issues with ice.
2: Yeah. Ice on cold days, you know, last year. So one other thing to try and avoid to all you hunters out there, just a little word of advice. Um, don't have a baby on November 6th of duck season because you miss an entire uh-huh. month
1: uh-huh.
2: or more of duck season. So that's what happened to me last year. So avoid uh, Valentine's day, like uh-huh. all, around that day, just be smart, <laughs> do the right thing, play it safe um, because November will come around. You'll be regretting that choice.
1: <laughs> okay. But you actually had an excuse because I was giving you a hard time the other day saying, what are you thinking? And then yeah, you said we you guys were were but you guys said you were trying for a while, so that's yeah. that makes it okay. Then that's it
2: does, it does. But just you know, just, just general word words, you know. Yeah. Don't have a baby in November.
1: Be smart, guys. Just because yeah. duck season's over, don't <laughs> and you're stowed up in the house, don't mean you need to do do that kind of stuff. Think about the dates.
2: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but uh yeah, during that time my dad actually went out to the river by himself. He was on he drove, we don't really have any, we don't have a scout out there. We don't have anybody tell us how's it going. I mean, we have uh, one or two guys out there that will message me on Instagram once in a while. and Let me know if there's birds around. Mm. But at the time we didn't really know many people out that way. And he drove all the way out to the river, pulled his boat out there. He's going to stay, he stayed in a little uh, motel out there and every single launch was ice. This was November, probably 10th last year. Wow. And it wasn't. It was like inches of ice, an inch or two of ice at the launches. Couldn't get in anywhere, at least in the area we hunted. So he drove all the way out there, searched for spots for a couple of days. And was going to walk into a spot, but he was by himself, so it had kind of been kind of a pain for him. He's uh, sixty-five, I think.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So it would have been tough for him to get into some of those spots if he was going to walk in. He ended up coming home the next day after he drove around looking for spots to get the boat in, but. So you know, if you if you drive a long ways, you got to make sure you can get in the launches, obviously, because that's that's what ice is up first. <laughs> yeah, uh, a lot of times are those shorelines and stuff. And, and then another thing is uh, too, you know, I think I mentioned this already, but sure you have that dry bag of clothes, yeah, once you ready to go, That got can to save have your life. Sometimes you know you need a sledgehammer and a shovel to break that ice off the actual boat launch so you can get in the get into the water. There might be water there, but the whole launch is ice, salt, or sand. You that stuff is helpful, too.
1: Hmm. That's good. Um, good or
2: two trucks. You know, one guy backs in, puts the boat in, can't get out. There's another truck there to pull the truck up and out of the water.
1: Oh, really? You Have you had that happen? We have not personally had it happen,
2: but I've seen it happen at the launch once.
1: Wow. What yeah. was holding them in? Uh, so once you get the boat in the water, there's
2: no ice, right? because you're under the water, yeah. the wheels are under the water. But when they, from people pulling boats out, it would ice up on the boat launch. So they would get up out of the water and then the wheels would just spin. They couldn't get over the ice that, that had formed on the actual boat launch.
1: Oh, wow. I didn't even thought that. So they of that. had to
2: have, you know, so a buddy hooked up, you know, 50 yards in front of them where yep. it was dry because there wasn't any water running down off the boats when they come out. Hmm. And pull them out that way.
0: I never
1: even thought of that. That's a good because it freezes so fast, huh? Yeah, it's just. I mean,
2: you you put a, you put boats a bunch of boats in in the morning. It's not really an issue, but you come back at the end of the day or ten o'clock, and everything's frozen.
1: Hmm.
2: On, on really really cold days, you know, where it's like some of your first cold days of the year, yeah, where the water's like really close to freezing anyway.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So. Yeah, ice. ice hunting is fun, though. I mean, when there's ice and you can run some current, you have a lot of good luck up here in Wisconsin. Hmm.
1: Well, last but not least, and this is something I can speak of real quick before you say something, Buddy's running late. That is something – that is a no-go. If that happens, I tell you right now, I will leave and have left people – Even if they're like, oh, 20 minutes, I'm like, dude, there is no 20 minutes. That's why 15 minutes early is on time. So you better be 15 minutes early because it's funny, though. People that can never be on time for anything, for duck hunting, they will show up because they know they are getting left behind. And that is just something. I mean, because the reason out here that's important, like so if I have a reservation for a certain refuge, a low number, you you miss that time window. Which is right at the beginning, like super early. You miss that, you might as well just go pack your bags and not even go, or don't even, or find somewhere else to go because you're not. They don't, they don't look like. Oh, you know, we wait for the guy to get here with a number one spot. If you have a number one resi, and you don't show up on time, guess what? They you they could be at number fifteen, sixteen by the time you get there, and I don't mean nothing. A number one doesn't mean nothing when you get there. So can you
2: explain how that how that works a little bit? So you put. And we in, don't really have a, anything like that around here.
1: Yeah, you put in at the beginning of season. It has to be two weeks in advance for the hunt day itself. So I do it for the whole season in one shot. But like, say if, um, I don't know, it's, it's October, you know, or middle of August and I want to pin put in for opening day or whatever. I'm just giving an example. Okay. I can go in and there'll be a whole list of every single refuge in California, duck hunting refuge, public land, duck hunting refuge, and I can put in for it, right? And all I do is pay a fee. It's like, I don't remember if it's 2 25 or what, per day, per hunt day I put in. Actually, if you guys are listening... You want to know more about that? We did a podcast, a whole episode on that, but that was a long time ago. It okay. pro- it's pro- literally, I think it's like number seven or eight. It is a long time ago, and this is episode 65, so it's been a ways back. But anyways, um, you put in for that. You pay your two bucks. Like I said, I do a lot more than just one day, but if you want to do that, you put in two bucks, and it's a lottery. It's a draw. So you get your 10 days before the hunt. They notify you by... Um, online on the website, and they also mail you your reservation number, and it will say if you're number one through 75 or whatever. So you show up to the window and say, it doesn't really matter if it's free roam, meaning like anybody can go anywhere they want, even if it's on top of each other. But what really matters is when it's pit blinds and it's it's, um, areas to where only you can hunt the specific pond, like assigned ponds. And I have a number one, that means I get the best of the best pick. I get the first pick, and I go pick that spot, and no one else can get it.
2: Now, how do they How do they determine like the best spots? Is it just experience, or is there a report or anything like that that you can go by? Or?
1: Some refuges, it's experience. You wouldn't know unless you knew. But other okay. times, a lot of refuges will post the numbers out of those areas. So that's all guys do. They'll show up and say, oh, wow, they shot three limits out of this spot last weekend. So it takes all the guesswork out of it it's really a really good place for like newer hunters to go you know cause okay, if they don't know cool. but yeah that doesn't always mean everything like one the right. that one hunt that we had that was awesome last year and we all shot four almost four limits was um the number there's a there's a certain blind there that always does good no matter what even if it don't show good on numbers because you got to remember people that probably hunted it the prior week could not have shot good. Just because there's they didn't kill three limits, if there's three guys in there, does not mean well, there wasn't enough birds. There. Yeah. Now you guys have shell limits though, too, right? What's that? You have shell limits? Yes, twenty five per person. Okay. And you can walk out and get another box, but that's all you can oh, take okay. in at once. But um, some refuges they have shell limits where you can't. That's all you can shoot for the whole day. Yeah. Which I, whatever. I to me it has it never it doesn't help that refuge have more birds. I think their thoughts are if we do that, it'll save it and be a better place to hunt. But they also have a time cut off of noon, so either way, it's like I don't know. But
2: I mean, if you're shooting twenty five shells and not getting your yeah. birds, you pretty much scared them all away anyway. Exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like you just need to go home, <laughs> and yeah. I've had that happen once or twice. But anyways, <laughs> so you get that you you get that spot, and pe- you you know for ten years that spot doesn't but no one picks it because there was three hunters last week and they only shot three birds. But you know, good and well, that spot shoots really good. It's because those guys didn't shoot good. And that's exactly what happened. Nobody picked that spot because there was like four or five birds killed. We go in there and we shoot four limits, you know. So that's that's the advantage of knowing a place, but also you do see the numbers, that, which doesn't always mean it's the best. Yeah. So, so for yes. you, buddies showing up late, What's how do you deal with that?
2: Well, like I said, usually I hunt with my dad. So it's usually my dad who's showing up late. <laughs> um, I, I'm always ready. He seems to always be like, there's this town by my house called Union Grove. And he, my dad lives about 40 minutes from my house. So Union Grove is like the halfway point. He seems to always be in Union Grove when he's supposed to be here. <laughs> and I think that just means he woke up when I called him to make sure he woke up and he's coming. You know what I mean? So yep, like, yeah, yep. I'm leaving right now, but really he's leaving twenty minutes later. He so sounds he sounds all late.
1: chipper when he answers it, but you know he just woke him up. Yeah,
2: exactly. So I've actually learned my dad and I've learned that if I know that if I want him, if I want to be to our spot, and this is like mostly when we want local stuff, because when we're out on the river, we camp together anyway, so yeah, we're together. So we're not usually running late because I cause we just won't be. But it's like when he's got to drive to my house and then we hunt some local fields and stuff I have permission on for new season. That like seems when it happens a lot. So I just tell him we got to be out there by like 30 minutes earlier than we actually have to be out there. And then we're <laughs> on time.
1: Has uh, Let me ask you this, though, Chase. Has he caught on to that?
2: He has not yet. <laughs> Don't um, let him listen um, to this podcast. Last year, one day last year, he's like, oh, I, I, I called him in the morning. He's like, yep, I'm on my way. I ended up just leaving him. Like I left him. He knew where I was hunting. Me and I was hunting with another buddy that day too. He gets there after we set up all the decoys, after we're ready to go. We actually already shot a goose. That's when he showed up.
1: Oh my goodness. So you actually pulled the trigger and had to leave.
2: I had to leave that day. And I was like, dude, I can't, I can't take this dad.
1: Yeah. No, I I agree. They're I've been so close. I've been like pulling out while the the person pulls in. It's like, dude, you, you're lucky because I'm not. I can't. Like like you <laughs> said, I I will miss that. Especially like you guys putting those public land spots. If you don't beat the guys out there, your whole morning's ruined.
2: Yeah. True. So yeah. And I will say though, like, the only time we really deal with a lot of people at that those public land spots that we hunt are when our opening. It's opening weekend. Otherwise, we have really good luck. We can get away from people. People stay away from us. That's good. That opening weekend is just insane. I hate hunting it, but I also love hunting it because it's like the start of duck season.
1: Yeah, right. Um, Yeah, it's like the worst day and the best day to hunt because it's officially started, but it's like uh, dealing with all those people. It's
2: crazy. And the only other time we really dealt with a lot of people was a few years ago. We had just so many ducks in this area that we hunt. It was loaded with ducks. My dad and I shot our limits the first day, which was like a Thursday or a Friday, and then that Saturday morning there was a lot of people in there. I don't think those ducks were hunted all week, but people knew they were there, so I think word gets out. A lot of locals showed up, yeah, and they were hunting. We made a mistake; we hunted the wrong spot that morning. Um, and we still shot, I think, six or seven ducks. We have an eight. Uh, we have a, uh, a a six duck limit, but you can only shoot four mallards. In Wisconsin.
1: Uh, right. So
2: I think we shot like seven or eight ducks total. And I think we shot a couple teal and some mallards and stuff. I don't remember. But where we should have sat, those guys shot their three-man limit in like 20 minutes. It was wild. Wow. Yeah. It was I've, like 200 yards from us. Yeah. What happened was the night before they were coming in, landing in this little creek and then paddling up and feeding back uh. in the woods um so we 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 went and set up where they're all landing we should have went and set up right where they're actually feeding because the next morning they were just i mean thousands of birds were just playing in this little probably 100 by 200 foot hole in the middle of the woods it was kind of cool it was mm-hmm. a little flooded and stuff yeah it was wild
1: wow yeah well chase uh appreciate you coming on and i appreciate you being here and on the podcast and it was great talking to you and and uh i learned some stuff too on this so that's i love talking to people especially from different areas because you learn so many different things about stuff you don't think about where we get so caught in the mindset. I try not to do this, but I know our conversations a lot of times evolve around, you know, California and it's so different in so many other places. So it's good hearing from sure. you in your neck well, of the thanks
2: woods. For, uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah. Appreciate it. It was good talking to you.
1: Yeah. I enjoyed it. And uh, we'll be having you on again. And, like to do some updates uh, uh, this duck season, too. I want to have more guys on and kind of just a weekly update thing and keep the podcast rolling heavy. Last year, I just kind of dropped the ball because of editing and stuff like that. But this year, I got big plans to try to pump out two-week updates and, and guests and stuff like that. So it should be a good time. I'll definitely have you on again.
2: Sounds good, Titus.
1: All right, guys. Check him out on YouTube, uh, Facebook, Instagram. Chasing, or oh, sorry, I was already gonna. Say, I say your name, what Chase. That was my name. <laughs> Chase, yeah. but somewhere in Wisconsin. And uh, thanks for coming on. And we'll see you guys on the next episode.